0: We're going to talk about the body of Christ today, so go to the book of Ephesians, and uh, the book of Ephesians, the first chapter, and we're going to be receiving communion at the end of the service. We do that about every six weeks around here, and uh, so when you talk about communion, you think of the blood of the Lord Jesus, you think about the body of the Lord Jesus, so a lot of times I'll talk about the blood of the Lord, thank God for His blood. But we're going to talk about his body today, and uh, I want you to get a revelation, an understanding of the body of Christ, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice in Ephesians chapter one, verse 19, uh, the Apostle Paul, he's writing here and he says by the Holy Spirit, he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now, how many believers do I have in here? You believers? According, uh, toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his, his uh, right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion. That's above all, all power including demon power. Thank God that, that Jesus is above the devil. Is that right? And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. And gave him, that's Jesus, gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Now notice, who is The body of Christ from reading that right there. Who is the body of Christ? The church. We need to get a revelation of that, that the church is the body of Christ. Now, who is the head of the body? Jesus. Jesus. But who is the body? The The church. Now, when Jesus was here on the earth in his ministry he was the only body of Christ that was in the earth. But now that He's been raised from the dead and He's in heaven seated at the right hand of God the Father, now He is the head and we are the body. But now you need to realize that just because you come to church doesn't mean that you're part of the body of Christ. And that's a, that's a mistake that a lot of people think. A lot of people think that because they belong to a local church... That they're part of the body of Christ, and that and that's not that's not true. Uh, just because somebody was baptized as a baby, just because they attend a, a local church regularly, they may give into the tithes and the offerings, they may volunteer in the church, they may receive communion on a every six weeks basis or every day basis or once a week basis. None of that, none none of it, all of it put together does it make a person a member of the body of Christ. And you need to realize that. Do you understand that? There's a whole lot of people that don't understand that, and they die one day and go to hell. And is, it, is it, It's sad. It's so sad. There's only one way that you or me or anybody else can become a part of the body of Christ and, and become part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is to repent of your sins and with childlike faith, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him into your heart by faith. That's what makes you a member of the body of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. And uh, then once you become a member of the body of Christ, then yes, you ought to go ahead and be water baptized. And yes, you ought to attend church regularly. And yes, you ought to receive communion however often you receive it. Do you understand that? Yes, you ought to volunteer in the church. But doing all those things does not make you a member of the body of Christ. You become a member of the body of Christ when you receive Jesus. Now, is that clear? I mean, it's clear. I think to most people, if you've been around here any length of time, we make that clear. But you need to realize that there's myriads of people in the in the world, and in, certainly in the United States, that that they go to church every Sunday and do all the things I mentioned, and they're not a part of the body of Christ because they've never they've never accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And a lot of them, the reason they haven't done it is because they haven't been told that that's what they need to do. You remember, we won't turn there, and it's not part of my notes, but there was a man over, uh, in Acts, the 10th chapter, his name is Cornelius, and he is a good man, he, he prayed regularly, he, uh, uh, he gave money to the poor, he was a godly man, he, he, you know, as far as we would think, a godly man, he was a good family man. And it's interesting, he was praying one day. Now, here's a man who prayed, and all all of those things. And an angel appeared to him. You can read it in Acts, the 10th chapter. You ought to read it sometime. An angel appeared to him and said, Send for Peter. That's the Apostle Peter. Send for Peter. And uh, he'll, you know, have him come to your house, and he'll tell you what you must do to be saved. Now you say, Pastor Terry, wait a minute, this way he gave money to the poor, he was a good family man, he prayed and all of that, you mean he's not saved? Well, if he was, why did the angel appear to him? Why did God send the angel to him and say, send for Peter and he'll tell you what you must do? See, even, even the good must be saved, is that right? And he sent for Peter. Peter came to his house, long story short, preached the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus to Cornelius in his house. And they believed and they got saved immediately. And then after they were saved, then Peter said, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized as well as, as we? So you see, becoming a member of the body of Christ is, is not just a matter of going to church, is it? Is it? No. It's it's what? It's repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't mean head faith, just mental ascent. I mean a heart sellout. Realize say heart sellout. sellout. Where you sell your heart out to Him, you receive Him into your heart. You you okay? I just want to make that clear. So then once a person has done that, they become a member of the body of Christ. Now who is the head? Jesus. And who's the body? The church. Is it just because you come to church? Have we made that clear? Okay. Now, look at the fourth chapter of Ephesians in the 11th verse. Since we're already in Ephesians, we'll say a few more things about it, about the body of Christ, since we're here in this book of Ephesians. Look at verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11. Now, this is when Jesus was raised from the dead. It says, He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers... Of course, you know, a, a pastor and a teacher here teaching you today. Now, why did God give these? These are called ministry gifts. Why did he give these these, these men and women, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Notice verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. Now, again, let me make it clear. You do not become a saint because you've died and then some group of people decides that, you know, you, you performed a miracle in your life, and this and that and the other, and they give you sainthood. How many of you know that, that, that that's, that's not how you become a saint? Is that right? You know how you become a saint? The same way you become a member of the body of Christ. By what? Repenting of your sins and receiving Jesus as your Savior. The instant you do that, you become a saint, according to the Word of God. You understand that? How many understands that? You need to understand that. A lot of people don't understand that you know how many of you have ever heard of St. Louis Have you ever, ever heard of St. Louis? Now I don't know I haven't studied his history, but he might not even been born again. You know what it means to be born again to get saved, to become a Christian, to become a member of the body of Christ. it was St. Louis saved was he Pat you studied into that was he saved? Do you know we to, I don't how many of you know St. Louis Have you ever heard of St. Louis? If you haven't, we really need to give you a lesson in there. But just because somebody calls you a saint doesn't mean you are. Is that right? How do you become a saint? You become a saint when you receive who? Jesus Christ is your Savior. Is that right? That's according to the Bible. So if you've done that, you're a saint. You're just as much a saint as St. Peter or St. Paul or St. John. Is that right? right. According to the Bible. Now, religion... Men, man-made religion will teach you different than that, but the Bible, Paul addresses the saints that are at Jerusalem, he addresses the saints that are in these different places. How do you become a saint? You become a saint when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So now, anyway, I just want to, I just felt impressed I need to make that clear to you today, that you become a, a member of the body of Christ, you become a Christian, you become born again, however you want to say it, all different words for the same thing. C- Christian. You know, there's some people think they're a Christian because their parents was a Christian. How many of you know you're not a Christian because your parents were Christians? Some people think they're a Christian because they live in, some people think they're a Christian because they live in a Christian nation. By the way, this is a Christian nation. Um, but no, you're, a, the only way you become a Christian is through a birth. Realize, say birth. It's called the new birth. Jesus said you must be what? Born again. Or born from above. It's spiritual. It has nothing to do with natural. He said that which is born of the flesh this is John third chapter. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. See? So the only way to become a saint, to become a Christian, to become a child of God, to become a member of the body of Christ, to be born again, is through simple childlike faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? I don't know why I keep going over that, but the Spirit of God right on the inside wants me to just keep going over that. So we, we need to hear it. Maybe there's somebody here today that needs to hear it. Maybe there's somebody listening on the internet needs to hear it. Um, now, notice here, verse uh, 12. Why were the, these ministry gifts given? For the equipping of the who? Of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the what? For the edifying of the body of Christ. So w- w- why am I here this morning? I'm here to edify... You. What does edify mean? To build you up, to encourage you. That's why I'm here today, to build you up, to encourage you, to instruct you, inform you in the Word of God. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, for the sake of time, verse 16. From whom the whole body. Now, who's he talking about there? He's talking about you and me. If we're truly born again, we've received Jesus as our Savior. From whom the whole body joined and knit together how many of you know we there should be no division among us is that right we should we should we should uh, we should all be on the same sheet of music shouldn't we Uh, let me say another we ought to be all be reading from the same book is that right and and if we'll all be reading from the same book we'll uh, be we'll, we'll be joined and knit together Um, You know when something's knit together, my grandma, she knitted, she darned, you know knitted, you you know what I'm talking about? If you get something that's knitted, you know it's almost impossible to tear that apart if it's really knitted properly. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its what? Does its share. Uh, in every local church, everybody, I've said this for years, God has a local church for every Christian. He's got a pastor for every Christian in that local church. Why is the pastor here? To edify you, build you up, encourage you. And also, beyond that, he's got something for every person, every Christian to do in that local church. Did you hear me? And every part ought to be doing its share in that local church. And notice and and one reason that churches and it's true of every church I've ever seen including this one that that a church can never be all that God wants it to be unless every person is doing their part. Did you hear what I just said? That's what the Bible said. It says according to the effective working by which every part does its what? does its share and if every part if every person in that church is doing their share Then and only then can that local church be all that God ever wanted it to be. And it will, look at, read on here. Every part does its share and it causes what? Growth of the body. For the what? Edifying of itself in love. We ought to be building one another up, not tearing one another down. Is that right? And that's what we do around here. We're in the building up business, not in the tearing down business. You know, it takes no Talent at all to tear something down. Did you know that? It doesn't take any skill or talent to tear something down. Uh, but it does take talent to build something up. Do you know? Did you understand? It's like it's like a, a, my, my car sitting out there. Um, if I had to tear it up, I could probably go get a sledgehammer, and I could start working on that baby. A crowbar. And I could probably tear that thing apart. It might take me a while, but I could probably, if I beat on it long enough, I could get that thing apart. And I don't have any skill in cars at all. You don't want me fixing your car. If your car breaks down the side of the road, you don't want to call me. I'll help you if I could, but you, I'm not mechanical, you see. Because, you see, I have no skill in that area. Alright? But, but, you know... Uh, to build a car up from, from, from the ground up, how many of you know that takes some skill? Doesn't it? Does it take some skill? It sure does. So, so when I notice people, t- that when they, over the years, if I watch people tearing stuff down, I look at a very low skilled person. You know how Christians usually tear stuff down with their, with their mouth, talking bad about people and things. It takes no skill to tear something up, Right? But it takes skill to build things. It really does. And so the Lord wants each and every one of us, in our part, doing what we're supposed to be doing, building one another up. Now notice Romans the 12th chapter, a little further on this. Romans the 12th chapter, the 4th verse, says this, For as we have many members in one body, now, just think of your own body, for example. You have many members in your one body. Let, let's just let's just start. We've got our what? We've got our eyes. I mean, this is not hard, guys. What do we got? Our what? Eyes. Ears. Nose. Did I do the ears already? What's this? We've got what beats right here? And we could keep on going, couldn't we? What are these here, my... So we all have these things, right? For we have many members, yet we are what? One body. That's how you have to think of the body of Christ. Where's the head at? He's Jesus. He's up in heaven. But we're here on the earth as members of His body. And it says here, but all the members do not have the same function. Well, that's easy enough. How many of you know my eyes do not do what my ears do? My eyes see, but my ears hear. And my eyes don't do the same thing that my teeth do. And how many of you know my nose doesn't do the same thing as my feet? Right? So all the members do not have the same function. Verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members... Of one another. We need to see that. You need to realize, and if you haven't already, how many of you know that, that, that uh, you, you may not think about this, but, but your little toe is important to your right eye. People are trying to think, what in the world is he... Uh, 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 Let's pick two other parts. We want to talk about Willis. Pick another two. I don't know. How many of you know your shoulder cares... Let's put another. Your shoulder cares about your left knee. Somebody said one time... a little ahead of myself, but you'll see. We'll get here in just a second to what what I'm headed to. Somebody said... uh, I'm just the little toe on the body of Christ. I don't count for anything. I'm unimportant. I'm just the little toe on the body of Christ. I'm so insignificant. I don't amount to anything. I've heard people say that over the years. All right. do I have anybody in here? Anybody got a pocket knife? Anybody want to come up here and let me cut your little toe off? Do I have any takers? Well, if it's so unimportant and insignificant, why do you care? Let's just cut it off. If I start cutting on your little toe, would you, would it have your right eye's attention? Yeah. Would it have your left eye's attention? Would it have your right hand's attention? Would it, would it, would it have your heart's attention? Yeah. Uh, it would have. I mean, if we started no more. I mean, even before I put that sharp knife up to your little toe, it would have every other member of your body would have. It would that little toe would have full attention of the. It, it, yes or no? Yeah. See, and the devil goes around and he throws thoughts in people's minds, Christians' minds. You're not important. You're not significant. You don't count for anything. Nobody cares about you. You're just a little toe on the body of Christ. I know that kind of thinking has, has attacked me over the years. You're not important. You don't really count for that much. You're just a little toe on the body of Christ. Well, like I said. Do I have any volunteers you want? John Knott, do you want to come up here and let me cut your little toe off? Dale? Huh? Anybody? Honey, can I cut your little toe off? Anybody want me to cut your little toe Why? If it's so unimportant and insignificant, why don't you let me cut it off? Because it what? It is? It is important. It is important. I tell you what. Uh, I was running... Should I tell him the story? I was running on uh, what is today? Sunday? I was running on Friday. I run five miles every day. My cholesterol has gone from over t- from 230 to 136. is that wonderful? It's going to put me on statins and all these medicines. And four years ago I went from 230 pounds to 166 pounds. Praise God. I got rid of a third of myself. I met my sister-in-law sometime after I lost the weight. She said, Terry, where's the other third of you? You know, I just I lost it. Thank God. And um, I, I, I wore an ugly, funky looking hairpiece and I got rid of that. How many is glad I got rid of that thing? Looked like, a, looked like an animal crawled on my head and died, you know. So I, I, got, so I got rid of that. And uh, in fact, Bob Hill, I showed up at your door one day. Remember that? Knocked on the door after I'd lost the weight. Got rid of the hairpiece. You didn't know who I was and uh my family members that hadn't seen me they didn't know who I was and and in fact the, uh, uh my daughter-in-law her family really liked me they always called me pastor shield and i lost all that weight got rid of that hairpiece i showed up with my wife at one of their family functions and and nobody was talking to me they were being kind of rude to me and these are nice people and 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 uh and, and, and so i finally greeted them and they heard my voice and they said Why, you are Pastor Sheel. And they were mad at Diane. They were about to turn on her. They thought that she got rid of Pastor Sheel and got her a new nice-looking fella, you see. But it was me, praise God. I lost all that weight. and, and, And the cholesterol numbers are way down. 136. That's pretty good, isn't it? And and, and anyway, we did that through diet and exercise. Uh, By the way, there's no pills, magic pills, you can buy on television where they tell you, take this pill, but then you can eat pretty much whatever you want. How many of you know that's all scam stuff? Is that right? There's only one way to do it. It's hard work. you got to watch what you eat and exercise. Say amen. But I'm running the other day in this subdivision over here. I'm just running right along. And the next thing you know, I feel this presence. And I was running... It wasn't an angel either. I was running and I was thinking about this message today and I was praying about this message. What am I going to preach today? And I was thinking about the body of Christ and how important the body is and how important the different parts of the body is. And I'm running right along and I was thinking about the pancreas. How many know, do you you know what the pancreas is? How many even knows they have a pancreas? It's very important if you don't have a pancreas, you're not going to live very long. Very important thing. Nobody much thinks of the pancreas. I'm thinking about, you know, I'm going to teach, teach, teach on the... And the next thing, there's this present side of me. And and I looked and it happened so fast. You know, things can happen fast. It happened so fast. There was a dog. A big old loppy dog, just as friendly as could be. And he, he got in front of me. He got under my feet. And I tripped over him and I went down. And he, there's a reason I've got a long sleeve shirt on here today. And if you if I could, you know, if I had shorts on my knees look like I've been in a bar fight, you know, what I talk about a bar fight. I mean, my knees, my sh- elbows, I mean, I was blood, I was covered in blood. Is that right? I call a dog got in my way and I fell. And I tell you what, you see all these bandages on here, you should see what I have on underneath. Now I'm going to heal. Everything's going to be fine. By the way, things accidents can happen just so fast. It happened so fast it was like in slow motion. That dog got under my feet and I and I fell and and, and the guy comes out. Oh my gosh, are you okay? You know the owner and and, and yeah, I was fine, but I was beat up. I looked like i had been in a fight. And um, and and so anyway, Diane came and got me. The reason I'm sharing all this with you is you you wouldn't realize how important just doing this. See, we take this for granted. You see me what I'm doing right here. How many sees that? Yep. We take that for granted. It, hurt, it hurts when I do that. How many of you know your little your elbow, the skin on your elbow is important to you? Is that I mean if you don't believe me, should I, should I, should I, you want to see? Huh? Look at look at that. See, that's my I got have you ever had a carpet burn? I got a concrete burn. I went sliding on the concrete. But you know what? Look at that! It's not a rash. It's a it's a it's a well it, well it's a burn. But but you know what? The other morning I'm sleeping. The morning after this happened, and you wouldn't think the skin on your how many of you know that's important to us? That's important. Everybody's important. Don't ever let the devil lie to you and tell you you're not important. You are just as important as anybody else. Say amen. amen. And so it just you know I. I I shared that with you simply because every part of the body of Christ is important. My eyes are important to me. My ears are important to me. My feet's important to me. I mean, you wouldn't realize just, just kneeling, just, just, kneeling, just turning over, just turning over at night. We take that for granted a lot of times. Just turning over and not being in pain. Did you hear what I just said? We should never take anything for granted, should we? Amen. Somebody pray for that dog. I didn't want to pray for the dog when it came out there. I wanted to. Well, let's move on with the First Corinthians twelve. Will bear everything I just said out. First Corinthians twelve. Uh, First Corinthians twelve twelve. I'm trying to get across to you and encourage you that you are important not only to God but you are important to me, and I should be important to you. We should be important to one another. Is that right? Notice uh, here, for as the body is one, first Corinthians 12, the body is one and many members. Now Paul, he keeps saying this to the churches. The Holy Ghost wants to get this across to us. For he, he just said it to the Romans, now the Corinthians. For as the body is one in many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we're baptized into one body. That's not water baptism, friends. That's when you get born again. That's what you study it out. That's not talking about water baptism. And I'm all for water baptism. But water baptism won't put you in the body of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit baptizing. What did he say? For by one what? By one? Did it say one tank of water? Did it say that? By one baptistry? Did it say that? It said by one what? Who? Spirit. Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. We're baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we have all been made to drink into that one Spirit. See, when you get born again, the Spirit of God, he, when you believe on Jesus, He takes you out of the kingdom of darkness and He seals you into the body of Christ. Now look at this. Verse 14. For in fact the body is not one member, but what? We, we've made that clear. Now, now watch this. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body... Is it therefore not of the body? In other words, if the foot says, "Well, I want to be a hand, and if I can't be a hand, then I don't want to be part of the body. Or if the ear should say, verse 16, "Because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body." In other words, I'll put it in own words. Could you imagine your ear saying, "I don't want to be an ear, I want to be an I, I, I want to be a what I want to be an eye, and if I can't be an eye, I don't want to be part of the body." We'd have a real problem on our hands if our ears started wanting that. Is that correct? What if the whole body were an eye? Now think about it. paul I mean, Paul's talking about body parts here. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? You see, these people were not satisfied with who they were. They weren't content with who they were. We need to become content with who we are. And we also need to become content with who we're not. You know, there's a lot of people I've run into over the years that are not content with who they are. And they're not content with who they're not. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I've seen this among ministers. I've watched this among ministers. You know, teachers want to be prophets. Prophets want to be teachers. I'm thinking about one man years ago. William Branham was his name. He was a prophet. And he wanted to be a teacher. And if you study into it, most teachers want to be prophets. But this guy really was a prophet. Why is it we always want to be something that we're not? I guess it's just something of the fallen nature. But he was a prophet. He wanted to be a teacher. And you know it cost him his life. Something else I've learned. Did you know that small churches are always trying to make themselves larger? And if you study into it, large churches are always trying to make themselves smaller. Ways they can reach out and be like small cell groups. Have you ever noticed that? It's just we need to realize that about ourselves. We, we always want to be something we're not. We need to we need to understand that about ourselves, and don't fall into the trap of trying to be something that you're not. You understand? Do you understand that? And this is this is such an area where the devil will get in and start running thoughts through your mind, and well, you ought to do this, or you ought to do that, or you ought to be this, or you ought to be that. No, you just need. Look, look here. If the whole body were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, verse 18, each one of them in the body just as who pleases. Just as who pleases? Just be pleased with what God has made you to be. It's like Michael right there. Now, if you ever want a goalie on a soccer team, you don't want me. You want to call him up. Because he's a great goalie. Can you, can you say amen? Have you never seen him be a goalie? I went out and I watched him at a soccer game. He's a great goalie, see and and, uh, uh, and and I could never be as good a goalie as he is, so I shouldn't get all stressed out because I can't be as good a goalie as, hit, as he is. I, he might not be able he might not be able to preach as good a sermon as me. You want to come up and try? No, no, no. So you see, there's things I can do that he can't do. There's things he can do that I can't do. Why don't we just celebrate one another? Can you say amen to that? Now, 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 like Shelley back there, she sings very beautiful. How many think she sings real beautiful? She's very anointed, and, and Karen also, and my wife, they're all of them. Uh, but uh I don't know. Can you preach a sermon as good as me? Oh, you can try. I, well, la di da di da. Okay. Well, I don't know if she can preach a sermon as good as me, but I know I can't sing as good as her. Now, how many of you want me up there singing? (laughs) I remember a pastor years ago, just kind of funny, but he he couldn't sing very well. And he thought the Lord told him that he was supposed to take over the worship team and sing, lead the singing. Now, you wouldn't want me to hear that from the Lord because it'd be a bad thing. If you haven't guessed by now, I can be right in the middle of something serious and then turn to something funny, and you got to know that about me, okay? All right, so but but uh, you don't want me up there leading the singing, so you know what I've learned to do? I let the singers do the singing and I do the preaching, and it works out real well. Is that good? Well, let's just celebrate one another, and build one another up. But uh, but nonetheless, it, it's like one preacher said one time. Uh, uh, think about the lungs think about the lungs. How many is glad they got lungs? You glad you got lungs Now think about it from the time you're born till the time you die. What do your lungs do? All they do is what air in and air out air in and air out air in and Just think about doing the same thing however many times a day for if you live to be a hundred a hundred years and you know the lungs aren't very glamorous. They don't get a lot of uh, uh, attention. You know, have you ever had somebody walk up to you and say, "You know, you have a great pair of lungs"? Have you? I've, have you ever had somebody walk up and say, "I really love your hair"? Boy, these people just... have you. Have you ever had somebody come? Has anybody ever said you got beautiful eyes? Have I ever told you you got beautiful eyes? I'll just talk to you. They don't get my humor. you got beautiful eyes. Yeah. Have I ever said that? Have I ever walked up and said, you know, your pancreas is really just gorgeous? <laughs> no. But you need that pancreas, don't you? Mm-hmm. And see, that's what happens. See, a lot of times, I like what Alex, like Alex over here. You want to come up and preach? would not have much of a church. Of a church. <laughs> well, anyway. I don't know. I think you do good. But, but I was teaching on this years ago, and he said, you know, after I got done teaching on this, he said, you know, he's the lungs. You don't mind being the lungs, do you? No. What does he mean by that? You see, uh, you don't ever see Alex up here preaching. You don't ever see Alex, you know, he's not usually in the limelight. But you know what? When there's work to be done around here, guess who shows up? That man. Along with others. He shows up, and he works, and he works, and he works, and he works. How many of you know you need some lungs, don't you? Wonderful man, see? So it's not the body parts that always have the limelight. You understand? The ones that you don't see. Let's read on and he says it here. Look, look at verse 19. And if we were all one member, where would the body be? I mean, if, if you just had a big eye sitting up here, that would scare some little kids, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you watch that Alfred Hitchcock thing or whatever it was when you were a kid with that big eye. You still have dreams about that, don't you? Not now, when you got over that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so anyway, but just think if we were all an eye. Wouldn't that be something if I was just one big eyeball sitting up here? Wouldn't that that freak anybody out? Or if I was just a big ear up here? We need all the parts, don't we? Am I boring you? But now instead there are many members, yet one body. And if the eye cannot be a hand, verse 21, couldn't the hand say, I have no need of you? Or again, the head, now watch this, could the head say to the feet, I have no need of you? How far, listen, how far would the head get if we didn't have legs? How far would your head get if you didn't have legs? Huh? Would you be able to get out to your car? Now, this stuff is kind of humorous, but it's so biblical. And I've watched people get into fights. Well, because I can't be the head, I don't want to be on the body at all. Well, the feet's important, aren't they? Because how far can the head go without the feet? If you didn't have feet, you couldn't get out to your car. Is that right? So we need all of these different parts, and and we're set in the body as God has set us, and God, how many of you know God knows what He's doing? Are you all okay? I'm trying to be a little humorous with this, but it's a very cold-bloodedly serious subject. There's a lot of Christians that are so discontented because they want to be something that God never called them to do. I've actually watched Christians. They they demand to be something that they're not. And you know what? Once they get in there, guess what? They're not happy doing it because why? God never called them or created them to do that certain thing. Just be what you are. Is that right? Now look at this again, verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But Jesus is the head. According to this, Jesus couldn't say to us, I have no need of you, feet. How far is the body going to go without the head? Verse 22. No much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. We need our lungs. We need our pancreas. We need our liver. We need these parts that you don't see. They don't get any real glory like your head or your eyes or your face. But these parts that we don't, don't put a lot of honor on, we need those. We need the skin on our elbow. We need these things. Verse 23. And these member, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unrepresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks. That there should be no schism or what? Division in the body. How many of you know you want your little toe working in unison with your right arm? Is that right? You want all your, you want, every, you want everything in, in, in good equilibrium, everything working together. It's the same thing in a local church. We want everything working together. No division, no schism, no division in the body. But that the members should have the same what? The same care for each other, one another. If you attend this church, this is what we shoot for. We try to treat everybody equal around here. No matter what, we do our best to treat everybody with respect and love and care. And I've told you this before, I'll say it again. When I was teaching school, I found out who the janitors were. And I was nicer to the janitors than I was to the principal when I was a school teacher. And I was nice to the principal. But you know what I've learned? If you want God to bless you, you treat the janitors with absolute respect. Call them ma'am and sir. Do you hear me? And you'll have a cleaner room too, by the way, than all the other teachers. God's looking for us to treat one another with respect. Are you okay? And if, verse 26, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Believe me, I know when that dog ran into me. I'm telling you what, you know, if, you're, if, if, if your knees are suffering, the whole body's suffering. We want everything to be well and healed. You hear me? If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Have we made that clear to you? Yes. Now made, who's, now who's a, if you're born again, if you're born again, uh, you're a member of the body of Christ, so he's talking about you and me. Now look at First Corinthians. I'll begin to close this now. First Corinthians 11. I hope you're getting something out of this even if you've heard it before you need to hear it again how many of you are really glad that your lungs are going that all they do is in and out in and out how many is glad glad of that i i am now how does this tie in with communion look at 1st corinthians 11:27 and then we'll receive communion and be dismissed look at this therefore Paul says, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now you'll see why here in a minute. Verse 28, let a man, a woman, let a person examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning what? What? Now, you really need to pay attention. You're not discerning what? Now, when you came in here today, now if you've heard me teach this before, you would have known. But if you've never heard me teach this before, you never heard anything along this line. If I'd have asked you, where is the body of Christ, most people would have said, sitting up in heaven at the right hand of glory. And, and of course, He is there. But have you seen that there's also a great truth in that we are members of the body? Right? And not understanding or not discerning the Lord's body. So these people really didn't have an understanding of the Lord's body. Now I've given you that understanding this morning. Now look at verse 30. For this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. That means many die young. How many of you don't want to be sick and weak? I don't want to be sick and weak. How many of you do not want to die young? I don't want to die young. You really need to listen to what we're talking about here today. He says if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. That's good news. But why were they weak and sickly and why were they dying young? Because they were not discerning the Lord's body. They didn't understand that what they were doing was disrespectful. Now let me show you what it was they were doing. Go up to verse, if you would, 17, and we'll see what was causing these people to be weak and sickly, and die young. We'll see what it is that about the Lord's body they didn't understand. Now watch this. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. Now in giving these instructions, Paul says to this church, he said, I do not praise you. Wow. Now if I got up and said that, somebody would probably get mad at me. But he said to this church, Corinthians, I don't praise you. Since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. In other words, when you get together for church, it's not, it's not what you're doing here. You're not discerning the Lord's body. When you get together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. So right now, I'm scratching my head, and I'm thinking, what in the world are these people doing? Well, let's read on. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are what? Divisions among you. Now, we don't have this problem in this church right now. But if you move back some, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, there was a day that when I got up in the morning, I felt like to come over here on Sunday, I felt like I was driving to my own funeral. Has anybody ever had that feeling? You're driving your own funeral. I mean, there was so much squabbling and this and that back 8, 10, 12, 15 years ago. I don't know how long back it was. I lose track of it. But it was just, you know what I'm talking about? This one's saying this about that one. And you know what I'm talking about? It was just miserable. I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. Now look at verse 20, for the sake of time. Therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? For, now here's what they were doing. Now watch, there was division among them. They weren't getting along. And watch this. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the others. And one is hungry and another is Drunk now they used wine back there then we didn't we, we used grape juice but but they'd come to church and they'd come hungry, and what they would do is is before everybody had a chance to take the bread, some of them would take have you ever have you ever been somewhere at a Thanksgiving meal and you sat down and the the pots and the plates are all out there, and the bowls are all out there and there's a lot of food you know, and they pass it around and it comes to one person, and the, one person takes about ninety percent of it out Have you ever anybody ever seen that besides me? You're thinking, well, they're not leaving anything for the rest of us. Has that happened to anybody but me? That'd be real rude, wouldn't it? How many of you know that'd be real rude? Is that rude or not? Is that rude? That's rude from the neck of woods I come from. I mean, you know, and then the the next thing comes to them and they take 90% of that out? And then there's not enough for everybody else. That's what was happening in this Corinthians church. They'd get there and some of them would go and they'd have like maybe the bread and whatnot. we pass it out in a little, little plate, but the, who knows, it might have been up front. They'd come in and they, and they sat down or whatever and they took all the bread and they didn't leave hardly enough for anybody else. They were gluttonizing themselves. And not only that, then they were getting drunk on the wine. Can you imagine that going on in a church? How many can imagine that? Isn't that disrespectful? Because you see, this right here, represent, it, it doesn't become, but it represents what? The Lord's body. body. Very holy, right? It represents, it doesn't become, it represents. And this right here doesn't become, but it represents what? The blood. It's holy, isn't it? And they were coming. and They were just drinking the wine like they was at the local bar. They was just eating the bread like it was just like it, they were they were at a smorgasbord somewhere. But they were doing something else that was just as offensive and maybe more. And we just read it. He said, "There's divisions among you." And then he said, "Each one takes his own supper ahead of others." It's not just that they were disrespecting that which represented the body and the blood, but they were going and they were butting in front of one another, and they were pushing one another aside, and they were getting up there to get their bread and their and their wine ahead of others. They weren't they were being rude. Now let me just tell you, many years ago, back when I was just probably in eleventh, in twelfth grade, right in there. I had gone down to the Keel Auditorium. Does anybody remember the Keel Auditorium? And they had wrestling matches there. How many's ever been to the wrestling match? Nobody? A couple of people. OK, I can't, I'll pray for the rest of you. But anyway, uh, I went to a couple of wrestling matches, and I tell you what, that was an unsavory crowd. I remember the first wrestling match I went to. I was watching it and, it, and of course, it's not real. Now my grandma, when she was alive, she thought it was real, and I, she'd sit in there in the living room watching the TV. She kill him, kill him, kill him, you know that kind of stuff. And she thought it was real. I said, "Grandma, it's not real. said, It is real. Kill him, you know." She she oh, you know she'd do that kind of stuff when somebody was sneaking up on somebody, you know. And, and so she thought it was real. But I went to a wrestling match, and it is it's not not real. But there's, some of it looks pretty convincing, but I had my elbow up on a banister one night down there at the Keel Auditorium, and it was dark in there, and I was watching the wrestling match, you know, and all of a sudden I had this burning sensation in my right, <laughs> burning, just burned, just burning, and I jumped. And what happened was there was a lady sitting inside of me that was smoking, and I had my elbow on the rail, and she went to put her cigarette on the, on the rail, and she didn't know my elbow was in the way, and she put her cigarette right out on my elbow, you see. I guarantee it to you I got hurt more than any of them wrestlers there that night. But why am I sharing this? Because a couple of months later, listen, I went to see an evangelist that was in town at the Keel Auditorium. And I was expecting when I got there the crowd, what does this have to do with communion? Everything. I was expecting the crowd. The Christians, when they got together, I was expecting that crowd to be just as nice and dignified and polite and kind. And guess what I found? When I got there, they were, they were pressing in on the door because the doors hadn't opened yet. But when those doors opened to let the crowds in to go get their seats... I have never I mean that wrestling match crowd was a lot nicer and friendlier than the Christians that had gathered to go in and get their front row seats. I saw Christians kicking one another, pushing one another. I saw them fighting over seats. I think the Corinthian church must have been there that night trying to get that day trying to get a, get a seat. Would Christians act like that? Oh yeah, they shouldn't, but they do. What am I trying to say? The Christians were acting worse than the wrestling crowd. And that's what they were doing at this church. Did you hear me? And he said, not only are there divisions among you, but let me ask you, he said, he said you're, you're, you're being rude to one another. Let me ask you a question. If I'm rude to this man right here, Jeff, or I'm rude to Gene, If I'm rude to him. Who have I just been rude to? I've just been rude to the body of Christ. I've just been rude to. Jesus. Yes or no? If I talk bad. Let's pick up Reggie. I like you Reggie. If I talk bad about Reggie. Or Brittany or Alex. Or I talk bad about. Well, Dale, I I don't know. Yeah, Dale too. But now, I'm kidding, but very serious. We need to think about this. If I talk bad about a fellow believer, a fellow brother, who did I just talk bad about? About Jesus. And the whole body of Christ. And really, if I talk bad about you, I've not only talked bad about Jesus, but I talk bad about Him because we're all members of the same body. Is that right? I talk bad about Kat, who said she didn't want me to sing. I've not only talked bad about Jesus, but I've talked bad about Cheryl. Because if you talk bad about my right arm, you're talking bad about my left arm. You talk bad about my right eye, you're talking bad about my left foot. Because how do you separate my eye from my. This is serious. That's why I'm, taking, I'm going a little longer here. I'm taking a little time. I want you to get this. If I talk bad about Pat not back there, or, or John, or any of you, who am I really talking bad about? Jesus. Now, here's the thing. There's nobody in here that I know of that would talk bad about Jesus. Right? But why would we talk bad, then, about his, a member of his body? Did you get what I just said? Because I've met people over the years. They would talk bad about their pastor. And they'd run their pastor down. And they'd talk bad about their pastor. They'd never talk bad about Jesus. But they talk bad about their pastor. But to talk bad about the pastor is to talk bad about who? Jesus and every other member of the body of Christ. And let me just throw this in for good measure. If you're ever sitting around a table and people start up talking bad about other Christians or bad about the pastor and you sit and listen to it and you don't put a stop to it or you don't get up and excuse yourself from it, you're guilty of doing it. Now, I said that by the spirit of God. I didn't intend to say that, but listen to me. Uh, why are you talking about I don't want you to get sick. I don't want you to be weak and sickly. I don't want you to die young. If you entertain it, somebody said, "Well, I'd never talk. I've never talked bad about my pastor." Would you sit and listen to it? Because to sit and listen to it is to be an accomplice with it, and you're just as guilty as the one doing the talking. Did you hear what I just said? You either need to put a stop to it or, 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 or exit, get away from it. You know the best thing you can do when somebody starts talking bad about somebody is just say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here, let's 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 pray for that person." And you see how quick that'll stop that movement of the devil. Did you did you hear what I said? I'm talking life and death issues here. There were divisions in that Corinthian church. They were not, they were being rude to one another. They didn't under, they didn't discern the body of Christ. They didn't understand that when they were being rude to one another, they were really being rude to who? To Jesus. Jesus, when, when Saul, before he became Paul, when he was persecuting the church, remember Jesus just knocked him to the ground on the road to Damascus and that light shone around him and knocked him to the ground and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Me. He took it personal. Jesus took it personal when Saul was persecuting the Christians. Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. This is a serious issue. I'm not saying that anybody in here is doing any of this stuff. But what I'm saying is, it's a good Thing to hear so that the devil can't pull you into this kind of stuff. Is that right? We need to treat one another with total respect. I've already seen it over the many years gone by, where a certain—don't you hate clicks? How many hate clicks? You know what a click? How many knows what a click is? We got three or four people here, and we're, we're like Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. You know those other reindeer? We're not going to let Rudolph into our little club. God hates clicks, by the way. But I've watched it over the years where, where, not any time recent, but many years back, where, where, where there'd be a little group of people that they'd treat that, they'd ostracize and treat this person real bad over here, but no more than I walk down the hall. They, oh hi pastor, how you doing? How many of you know Jesus doesn't like that? He wants everybody to be accepted and treated equal, is that right? And, and and I dealt with that group of people. I lovingly, I called them aside, I, I dealt with them. And they got mad and they left. Sad, isn't it? For this reason, many are weak and sickly among you, and many die young. Last thing, this will help you if you've got sickness in your body. I'll close with this. If you've got sickness in your body, think about this. This will help you. This will help you get healed. If you've studied the ministry of Jesus and looked at Him as He was here on this earth, if I told you that Jesus had terminal cancer in His body, what would, you, uh, what, what would, what would your response to be, to, be to that? When, if I said, look, there's a report come, Jesus had terminal cancer. What would you do? You'd laugh at that because you know there's no sickness in Jesus' body. Right? What if I told you Jesus had, a, had glaucoma? Would you accept that? What if I said Jesus had, had sugar diabetes? Would you? Or diabetes? What, what would you? Would? what? Huh? Would you accept that? Yes or no? Why not? Because sickness can't dwell in the body of Christ. Is that right? So if I told you that Jesus had some sort of an illness in his body, you would you would probably laugh at me and say, no way, man. No way. Absolutely not. Not Jesus. Not 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 in the body of Christ. No way, man. No way. Is that what you would say? You say, Ain't no way. Why? Because sickness can't dwell in the body of Jesus. Well, guess who you are. Huh? I said, guess who you are. Who are you? Who are you? I said, who are you? So it should just—it should be just as preposterous for there to be sickness and disease in our body as there was in his body when he was on the earth because we're part of the body of Christ. You meditate on that. You dwell on that. You think on that. And you see if you'll have less and less trouble with sickness and disease. If you've got sickness in your body now, you dwell on that. You'll watch the sickness depart. Can you say amen? Can you say Amen. I said, can you say amen? amen. Can you say amen? amen? Is there anybody here that uh, seems like, is there somebody here that you need, you're not sick yourself, but you know of a close family member that, that, that's dealing with some illness? Is there anybody at all? One person there, one person there. You? Okay. You? As particularly with you. We need to send the word to somebody on your behalf. Jesus sent the word and healed them, Right? Is that right the old Testament they sent the word and healed them if you need if you I, i've never done this particularly before i usually pray for people here but if you need us to send the word of god to somebody that's a close